0: You're listening to the front page on The Pulse. Kerry Work-Murphy is with me, Robert Cameron, and on the line a man who I owe a great debt of gratitude to because I wouldn't be here where I am if not him giving me an opportunity what seems like four years ago or something like that. Brett Ritchie, good morning to you.
1: Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Kerry. Yeah,
0: good great morning, Great to have man. you aboard, mate. Thank you very much for your time. The uh, circumstances that you are here, while... Um, uh, you call them bittersweet. There's a bit of angst about it, but it's also a really good story and it's a a different part of your life, a part that I learnt more about the longer that I got to know you. But uh, when it's all put down into a book form, as you have done to describe your life dealing with PTSD, um, extraordinary story. And uh, first of all, well done uh, to you for for getting the courage to put a a story like that so raw and open. Um, How tough was it to to make the decision, first of all, to do it?
1: Yeah, look, it, I, I write a lot. So I used to um, just write things down because my memory isn't quite good as as it used to be. So I forget a lot of things. So I started writing stuff down. I thought, oh, maybe if I write some notes down just for myself, just to sort of as a, as a, as a prompt. And it was about two years ago. And then I thought, well, actually, what if I start writing about what happened to me and explaining it? um more for and well for, it started off for me it wasn't going to be a book it was like oh, I'm just going to write notes down and it was going to be like my story and then I'd read it and then just throw it away I started writing it and then there'd be times where a month or two would, would go past and I wouldn't actually do anything so um eventually you know it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and then probably I don't know 12 months ago I uh went actually I might write a book so uh, I, I started writing it, and just it was just a word document. I just started writing and writing and writing, and then got to, I think it's about forty pages or something. And went, you know, what, I, I, am really into trying to help people's lives get better. And if, if I can, I suppose help people with PTSD or anxiety or depression, um, as a result of this, that'd be great. So that was the, that was the impetus for it. And yeah, that. I finished it probably about two weeks ago, and it sat there, and I sat there, and I, I had you had to go through this word processing thing where it forms it into a into a digital book, and I reckon it probably took me nearly two weeks to actually hit the button to go publish. And when it did, I went, oh yeah, that's all right. And the the front covers a picture I took in January February this year down in South Australia, just well sort of near Keith Rob. Just uh, you know, in your beach port. Um, it was Kingston, southeast.
0: Oh, oh. Kingston. Okay. Yeah, there's lobster a, land. There's a, yeah, there is. There's yeah. a very, very long pier at Beach. Beach yeah, at Beach. Beach. When, as soon as I yeah. looked at it, I knew exactly why the relevance of it. Delapont yeah, it's a really, really good picture.
1: Yeah, and I, I just I ran just randomly took the picture, and then when I was looking for a cover for the front of the book, I, went, I was going through you know millions of photos and thought, oh, what will I do? And then I went, this one. Mm-hmm. It's just the long straight journey, and you know sometimes you jump off the pier and sometimes you don't. So, yeah, just
0: just on the, the, the journey, what was clear to me as I as I read the book was that in a lot of cases it was um, one step forward, two back, two forward, one back. You're you sort of just really treading water for a long period of time. Was part of the successful therapy for you to write things down or is or writing always been part of what you did?
1: I, I suppose I've always done it, uh, written stuff down. A lot of it's usually rubbish, but I... When I started writing this, it, it did feel quite good and as I, as I was writing it and, yeah, it was, as I said, it took you know, two years to do. Uh, it was, when I when I was actually writing it and going back, I was going, I remember that. And then, because my brain, the whole incident is, um, I don't remember a lot of stuff about it. So I've, I've pieced it together from what people have told me who were there. Okay. Um, doctors and and my ex-wife and that. She said, oh, I remember this. And I go, no, I don't. And so I was putting that all together to make it uh, to sort of, you know, get to where it was. And it was therapeutic. Um, I think the most therapeutic thing was when I hit publish (laughs) and actually released it.
2: Brett, I've got two questions for you. I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to. Was there a sense of catharsis when you were writing uh, the book and putting stuff down on paper? And my next question is perhaps for people out there in Radioville who don't actually know what uh, post-traumatic stress disorder is. Are you
1: able to talk about that? Yeah, sure, Kerry, yeah. cathartic as writing it? Probably not. Um, The the most cathartic bit was actually hitting the publish button and going, okay, now it's done. And then the next bit was, am I going to release it to anyone or am I just going to keep it to myself? And I thought, well, that's quite selfish, really, if if someone reads it and they go, there is help. Then why not help people? So yeah, it's raw. It's um, it's emotional. There's you know, we talk about um, you know, suicide and drinking way too much and doing crazy things. So it was um, yeah, it, it was it was cathartic to publish it and then to release it. PTSD. It's people say it's a you know, what is it? It's it's a Short-circuit in the brain. The brain just overloads, and because of my police career and, you know, numerous things that happened to me over the years, this was sort of the, the catalyst for um, for the breakdown. So, you know, basically I was bashed by, I don't know, someone said 30 or 40 people. I, don't, I, I honestly don't remember it. So there was a lot of people. Um, they were trying to grab my gun. I was hitting the ground. I curled up and thought I was going to die. So when that all, the dust settled on all that, I was quite... Uh, distraught and I remember I remember standing there and saying the book you know I just I was looking around at the the incident going what the hell's just happened I I didn't I knew something had gone wrong but I couldn't put it into where my brain wasn't focusing so and what happened with the with PTSD is, is you go into hypervigilance and you are constantly on alert and you're constantly tired and constantly depressed and and it plays havoc with your life and not only my life, but like my family's life, my friends' life, uh, friends' friends' lives, around it. So uh, it's, it's a very debilitating illness, and and for years I didn't understand it. Um, I thought I could have done better until uh, it was explained to me by by my martial arts mentor, Bob Jones, actually. That um, you know, he said I wouldn't got through that he said you know i couldn't have beaten 30 or 40 blokes and when he said it it sort of made wow. Well, if he couldn't do it then what hope did i have so um,
0: another thing that came out uh, reading the book Brett, uh, we're conscious of a, but we forget it again it's it's what i call the ripple effect of someone who's suffering whether it be alcoholism or or, or gambling addiction or um or stress anxiety it, it's the ripple effect to those close to them because there's so many people care a lot about you and that was clearly to come out in the book you you were lucky enough to have a really good base of support right through the journey but we, we've got to look at then the effect that that has on on them and then further on so um you really explained it well i think that uh, to give appreciation to those people who were your your safety net
1: Oh look, absolutely, and you know, and Anita, my wife and I, we, we've been divorced many years, and we're still sort of we're still quite friendly. But um, if, if it hadn't have been for her, um, as I say, I, I would wouldn't be alive. She fought tooth and nail for me, uh, so many times with the police department, with the psychiatrist, doctors, work cover, uh, everyone, and I have no doubt without her, as I said, I, I wouldn't be here. So my and and oh, she knows that so you know it's nothing new to her but um yeah she became my carer more than my wife and yeah so that's why the it was it was so important to mention her in the book
0: yeah and also the the rawness of the fact that there were friends in your network who have been and, and remain but of course along the way others don't they drop off it's uh, it's too difficult a circumstance for them to deal with so so sadly, you, you do lose um, some friends along the way, and uh, it, it's good that you you didn't. I like the way you didn't actually attack them and say that they'd let you down. It was, I guess, it was their decision, and it's a tough thing for them to deal with. But it's more focusing on those that stuck with you more more so than being uh, upset about those who didn't.
1: Yeah, look, look, absolutely, Robin. It's, it was never about being nasty to people because I was shocking sometimes. I, you know, I mean, I was. When I, and especially after I left Anita, I would stay in my apartment in Geelong for days on end, and just drink constantly. And no one, no one would, uh, no one. I wouldn't see anyone. So um, I'd lock myself away and drink. And you know, when I'm talking drinking, I'm not sort of having a couple of beers. Like, oh, some nights I would go through a bottle of bourbon on my own in one night. And you know, as I found out later, that's not a good thing.
0: No, no, that doesn't help.
1: No. So. <laughs>
2: So Brett, what,
1: what are you hoping will come out of um, people reading your book? Oh, look, Kerry, I, I'm hoping that um, some people will read it and go, wow, that's a pretty cool story. And I'm hoping that if someone knows someone who suffers PTSD or anxiety depression, that they maybe get a better understanding of how that person with them is dealing with it, how they're coping. Um, uh, just, yeah, look, just more to, to, to help people.
2: And what sort of services did you actually engage in um, to get the support <coughs> and assistance that you needed?
1: So uh, not
2: so much family and friends, but were you engaged in, um, uh, you know, in community services, if you
1: like? I, I didn't do much community service stuff. There was, um, it was still what nineteen ninety five, sort of first four or five years. Not many people. I mean, people knew about it, but there wasn't a lot lot out there, and psychiatrists and all they kept doing was drugging me out to sedate me pretty much and keep me quiet. So they were pretty useless. It wasn't until I went to this personal development weekend with my dear friend that it was like, okay, uh, I can actually, I don't know, when I I was sitting there and, and the guy, Paul Blackburn, he was standing there talking to like 200 people and I felt like he was just talking to me and it was about life coaching and all that sort of stuff and you know, changing the program in your brain, and and that's what it that's what it was. That's what you have to do. You have to go from being being the victim, I suppose. And I kept running from the from the PTSD. It wasn't until I actually stood there, turned around, and faced it, and went, "You know what? Stuff you, you're not going to control my life." Because I had doctors for years telling me and my wife that he'll never do anything. He won't be able to probably leave the house. And when you hear that enough, you start to believe it. So when I actually fronted the PTSD and went, you know what, bugger it, I'm actually going to fight you, and it took a long time. Um, so I had you
2: changed s- your whole way of, uh, you know, your whole self-talk that you would be having in your, your own uh, mind all the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it, it worked a lot. Sometimes it didn't work because it was so ingrained in me that I was, you know, sick, um, and it, it took a lot of years, and, and that's, for me now, that's what I, I, I love doing. I love helping people. Uh, speak to them about depression and anxiety and uh, and, and PTSD and go, look, you, you don't have to put up with it. You can actually do something about it if you want to. You've got to get to that stage in life where you go, you know what, I want to try and get better. Um, you've got to change the story in your head because the loop in your head you sit going through, oh my God, look what happened to me, I'm a victim. And the, you've actually got to change that story. You've got to hit the pause button, throw that you know tape out, CD, whatever we've got these days, and then put something else in there to replace it. Going, you know what? Yes, it was bad. Shit really was good. Uh, was bad, but some really good stuffs can can happen as well. And that's that's what I started to do.
0: Uh, Brett, where can people get a copy of uh, this little book? It's not a long read but any means, as you said. It's uh, it's forty odd pages. It's probably a. Uh, a go-to four or five times off the coffee table or it's a, it's an hour or so of your life just to sit aside and, and absorb the whole thing. So w- where would we find it?
1: Uh, you can go to the... Um, it's www.bettermeproject, or one word, .net. So bettermeproject.net. Go there. Uh, there's a shop there. It's my site for, you know, trying to help people and uh, make a bit of a business out of it myself. There's some meditations in there, um, some free meditations. There's some stuff on anger work, so if they just go to bettermeproject.net, hit in there, um, there's, it's got an email there, if people want to have a chat to me about it, then I'm more than happy to uh, to talk about it.
0: Good on you, mate. Um, I'm lucky enough to have only seen the good side of you that's come out of all this, but reading the book, it was, uh, it was quite confronting for me to, to think, wow, you've had to go all through that to get to where you are, so well done to you, and, and hopefully you can help others who are in the same boat and... and Sadly, there will be more to come um, because that's just the nature of, of that type of work and there's certainly other similar fields. And I imagine even uh, we'll be looking at medical staff and, and, and police working through what we're working through at the moment. They must be confronting some pretty pretty serious stuff on a daily basis. So hopefully there's not a wave of this, but at least you've identified a way of dealing with it. So well done to you.
1: Yeah, thanks, mate. Really appreciate uh, your time this morning, you and Kerry. So, uh, and keep the pulse pumping, Rob. That's all we've yes, got to do, indeed. mate.
0: Indeed. Thank you again for your support. Uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Brett.
1: Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.